Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Eastside Church Online. My name is Preston. I'm one of the pastors here at Eastside. And wherever you're joining us this morning, whether from the area or around the world, we are excited you're here with us today. As always, I'm joined by my good friend, Malik. Hey. He's here. He's here. We did it. We did it. Yeah, we did it. it. You missed it earlier. Before Preston went live, I was like this. (laughs) Shove me out of the way. Yeah, no. <laughs> but anyway, I'm very tired today. Preston, yeah. are you very tired? I am very tired, you know, and uh, we were talking about this beforehand, like this idea that many of us during the season are likely feeling a bit down, tired, fatigued, uh, mm-hmm. maybe even angry or stressed. And uh, it's okay to feel that way. And as we prepare our hearts for worship this morning, I think Malik and I both were challenged by this idea of allowing ourselves to be vulnerable with God about where we're really at. You know, sometimes we come into this space of, of worship and, and uh, we do things that are just out of routine. Um, but this morning, we want to challenge all of us, ourselves included, to be vulnerable about how we feel with the Lord and allow uh, the Holy Spirit to meet us exactly where we are so that we can experience uh, maybe a little bit of that peace and healing uh, that we all need to experience today. Yes. And uh, speaking of that, though, uh, it's a wonderful day to be here because we're talking about something very important. What's yes. that, Yes, we're talking about the way of living. So why don't you go ahead and open up the good old book, also known as the Bible, to Mark chapter 12. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it's also known as the Bible. Yes, the Mark Bible. chapter 12. That's where we're going to be today. And speaking of opening up the Bible, yes. we are in the middle of our journey as a congregation through the book of Mark. And we would love for you to join us. So even if you haven't uh, been a part of that yet, uh, we are journeying through the book of Mark leading up to Easter. And we would love for you to participate with us. Uh, you can find out more about that by looking on the church website. There's a resources tab. And underneath that, you'll see something called Plant the Way. Plant. And it'll tell you a lot more about what, we're, what we are up to. And while you're down there, (laughs) sorry, our cue card person didn't hold up my lineup. It's fine. But while you're down there, why don't you go ahead and fill out that connect form because we would love to pray with you and connect with you and all that good stuff. Yeah, that's right. So go ahead and do that. Yeah, please do that. Please do that. Um, uh, You know, we don't have a cue card person. Hey, they don't know that. All right, I'm going to go direct. Go direct this thing. You're ruining the magic of the whole thing, man. (laughs) Oh, the movie magic. Hey, we are so thankful that you are here with us this morning, and I will look forward to connecting with some of you today in the chat.
as we start this worship service. And we know that whatever we face, you are there for us. You are constant, you are present. And we just wanna take this moment to acknowledge
thank you, Jesus. For if we've come in this room today, and we don't know what the next few months or weeks hold, if we come with concerns financially, we come with worries about our family, about our health,
our humanity gets in our way, our doubts, our fears, our need for control, our need to have our worth in what we do, our need for things, memories, all the things that are temporal, Lord. We thank you that you look upon us and just want to know us. You just want to be with us and love us. Your grace and your mercy looks past all of our human failures. And it sees a child. All of us, according to scriptures, a little lower than the angels, you see the reflection of yourself. We are made in your image. And it's hard for me to believe that some days as I face weaknesses and doubts and fears and frustrations with my own ego and my own humanity. 
but I just want to thank you today that you're going before me and you're seeing my humanity and you're making a way. <laughs> you're already forgiving me and also making a way to move around it. And so we ask for special blessing upon those of us that have walked in this room, especially needy for you. We always need you at every moment. But those of us that may not even feel worthy of receiving you, help us to remember how much you love us. You are love. You are mercy. You are grace. You are provision. You are the way maker. You're the promise keeper, the light in the darkness, a miracle worker. And we just thank you. Give us wisdom over our hearts to hear what you'd have to say to us the rest of this hour. And we thank you for this time together to worship so freely without fear of violence or bombing or oppression or persecution. We thank you, Jesus, for that freedom too. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, Eastside. Let us know you're here by scanning the QR code on the card in front of you. If you don't have your phone, you can fill out the form on the other side of the card and place it in one of the boxes in the back of the worship center. And if this is your first time joining us on campus, when you fill out that connect form, we'll have a handmade mug from our Eastside studio waiting for you in the info area. If you're not sure where that is, anyone with one of these lanyards can help you find it. If you're online, you can follow the connect link provided in the chat or click connect with us at the top of your screen. Now on to the announcements. Life is busy and making your marriage a priority can be difficult. This spring, we invite married couples to join us for a weekend to remember. A marriage retreat hosted by Family Life on April 12th through the 14th at the Indianapolis Downtown Marriott. Couples who register with our group code EASTSIDECHOG24 will save $100 on the registration fee. You can sign up through our website, and if you have any questions, email me at kharden at es.church. Eastside Youth are selling chocolate eggs to raise money for their trip to the International Youth Convention. These incredibly delicious treats are only $5 a piece and come in peanut butter, Oreo, mocha, and raspberry flavors. You can order yours today by finding a member of the Eastside Youth or contact Pastor Johnny at jelder at es.church. The last day to order these eggs is February 28th, so be sure and get yours today. On February 29th at 6 p.m., we're hosting a prayer and vision board party. This is a time for us to gather, have fun, and create a collage of images, words, and scriptures that visualizes what you're praying for. You'll need to bring your own board and some supplies. You can sign up at es.church slash signups and reach out to Stacy Doherty at stacyjdoherty at yahoo.com with any questions. Hey parents, you might know that you can join us for Kids Flight on Mondays and Thursdays from 9.30 to 11 a.m. in the Life Center. But did you know that on Wednesday, February 28th from 5.30 to 7, we're hosting Kids Play Family Edition. This is a chance for the whole family to join in on the fun and enjoy a kid-friendly meal together. Rumor has it, it's mac and cheese this week. Sign up to join us at our website, es.church slash signups. Contact Pastor Mark at mkrantz at es.church with any questions. To support the ministries of Eastside both here and around the world, you can give through our Eastside app or on our website, es.church give. And there are boxes in the back of the worship center to drop off cash or checks if you are on campus this morning. 
Thank you so much for your contribution to the mission and the work of the Holy Spirit through Eastside. If you're interested in learning more about anything that we've shared, just visit our website, es.church, or download the Eastside Church Center app. And be sure to check us out on the socials. We're on Instagram at es.church and Facebook at Eastside Church of God Anderson. And don't forget to scan that QR code and fill out our connect form. Hey, have a great week, Eastside. Well, thank you so much for beginning your week with us here at worship, uh, whether you're with us on campus or online. We've not met. My name's Kerry Robinson, and I get the honor of being the senior pastor here at Eastside Church. We're in the middle of a series called The Way. Uh, we've chosen to call it that because it tracks along the way of Jesus. And early in the first century, before they were ever even called Christians, the followers of Jesus were called followers of the way. And so for those of you who are uh, following along with us using our plant journals uh, through the week, we're studying the entire gospel of Mark during the Lenten season. If you've not picked up one of those yet, they are still available out at the info table. And uh, I would encourage you to pick one up and join us on the journey uh, as we head toward Easter Sunday. And on Sundays, what we decided to do was to take the last week of Jesus' life the, the time from Palm Sunday to the resurrection and look at the events of Jesus' life. And we started with Monday when Jesus went back into Jerusalem and cleared out the temple from the people who were charging excessive fees and, and making interest payments and things that were just not, they were keeping people from worship because people were coming on pilgrimage and as they came into Jerusalem, they couldn't bring with them the lambs for slaughter and all of that. And or they didn't have the right money because uh, they came from a different country. And so these people had set up shop inside the, the temple in Jerusalem. And it, the premise was to help people, but they were actually, they were actually charging far too much uh, for the exchange rates. And it was not a, not a healthy situation. And so Jesus comes in and clears that out. And in doing so, totally totally upsets the religious establishment. So the chief priest and uh, the scribes and the elders come and confront him and want to know about what authority uh, is he, they do that. And, and so that's what Monday and was, was cleaning it out. Tuesday morning, he shows up back. Uh, along the way, on Monday, he had, had an encounter with a fig tree, uh, and that same fig tree was withered and died on Tuesday. So as we've been looking at this, uh, we've now come to Tuesday, and last Sunday we talked about this confrontation where they said to Jesus, by what authority do you do this? And today, I, some of you have a, a tradition in your homes called Taco Tuesday. <laughs> well, I, I, I would call this Holy Week Tuesday like Trip Up Tuesday, okay? Uh, it, it's today when Jesus and the disciples um, are in Jerusalem and all of these different authorities. It started with the chief priest and the, and the scribes and, and those folks who came to him, the elders, and they're challenging his authority. And, and remember last week when we talked about it, I said, you know, they made a tough choice. They just walked away. And the challenge of following Jesus on the way is not to walk away. The, the challenge of following Jesus on the way is to say, okay, Jesus, I've given you my life. I, I've let you forgive me of my sins. I've told my family, my friends, my colleagues, this is what I want to do, and, and now 
now the challenge is to actually begin to live that out with Jesus as the authority in your life. But these guys who walked away, they didn't just walk away and be quiet. No, no, what they did, remember, they were the chief priests. They were the, the head elders. They were the, bit, the people who were in charge of the, of the tabernacle and of the religious system. And so what they did was they went back and they sent other people to try to trap Jesus. Listen as I read you the story from Mark's gospel. And it's, uh, it's an interesting thing in chapter 12, this trip up Tuesday. Listen. And they sent to Jesus some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. And they came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true, and you do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? But knowing their hypocrisy, Jesus said to them, why do you put me to the test? Bring me a denarius. Now, a denarius was a Roman coin. It was paid for one day's work. So it, was, it had a value of one day's labor. And let me look at it. So they brought him one. And he said to them, whose likeness and inscription is this? Whose likeness is on the coin? And they said to him, Caesar's. Then Jesus said to them, render to Caesar, give to Caesar, the things that are Caesar's, but give to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at it. Now, we read that passage, and, and it's been translated and interpreted in lots of different ways, but, but we miss the fact that why they marveled at it. Because, see, here's what's going on in that. First of all, the Pharisees and the Herodians were normally not friends. They represented different sides of the aisle. And so these chief priests and elders and scribes that I told you about, what they did was they managed to, to get so many people afraid of Jesus and against Jesus that they've got people who are normally enemies now working together to trip Jesus up. And, and what they do is they, they come with this question. Now, here's, it's a loaded question. Because if Jesus says, well, just pay the tax to Caesar, then all the people around who've been following Jesus and waving palm branches and talking about how he's the Messiah, they'd be like, oh, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're the Jewish people. We're, you're the Messiah. You're supposed to restore us. You're supposed to put us over and, and get us free from Rome. And so they would rebel against Jesus' teaching. That's what they're hoping for. But if Jesus says, well, pay the tax, that's what you should do, pay the tax. Then, then they're gonna go to the Romans. If he says, don't pay it, they're gonna go to the Romans and say, hey, he's trying to start a rebellion. So the question is designed, as Mark tells us, to trip Jesus up. It's trip up Tuesday, okay? And what they want to happen is for Jesus to make a mistake. But here's why they marveled at him. The answer Jesus gives them, you look at it and go, well, he said, render to Caesar what is Caesar. What he's saying is, you give human things the things that are human, and you give God the things that are God's. Oh, and by the way, the things that are God's are going to last forever. I love the fact that Jesus answers that way, Mark tells us, because he, he saw their hypocrisy. Now, hypocrisy is an interesting word. I get people all the time talking about, I don't want to go to church. That's just a bunch of hypocrites, all right? They're just all a bunch of hypocrites at the church. They're no better than I am. They all mess up. I'm just as, you know, I'm just as good as them. 
And somebody said to me one day, said, I just don't want to be with that bunch of hypocrites. I said, come on, one more is not going to hurt, you know. I mean, just, just join us, you know. I mean, that, I mean, we're not perfect. We know that. See, hypocrisy isn't about, isn't about saying that you're perfect. What it is is, is about saying that your image is more important than who you are. Hypocrisy is, if, if you would, it's a faux image. And, and what, what Jesus is, is, is doing when he looks at these Pharisees and Herodians, he's going, look, you got it all backwards. You, you think about the image. You think about what people think about you. And so instead of understanding that you should give God what is God's, you're out here trying to trip me up with a trick question. And, and, and the reality is, even when he asked them, hey, would you uh, give me a coin? The fact that they had a coin showed their own hypocrisy because the Pharisees and the Herodians were the ones who were telling people, don't pay the taxes, but they actually had the coins, which meant they were paying that tax. And Jesus' very action shows their own hypocrisy. But you see, the, the way of Jesus that we're talking about this, this way of, of living that comes from Jesus, it's a way of living that, that lives, now follow this, above hypocrisy. That doesn't mean perfection. Please get that. It means living your life in such a connection to Jesus that, that when you are connected to him, when you fail, you immediately understand that you need to say, I failed. And you don't try to cover it up. And you don't try to present an image. I've been blessed in my life to have a family, a father and a mother, who were, who were very faithful Christians. But, but my father in particular came from a, a background where when he was growing up, now at, in, in adult life, my wonderful family, wonderful folks. I love my family. I, I say that because some of them listen to the live stream every week. All right, so I'm just, for family out there, I got you, Okay. But, but the fact is, when my dad was growing up, he, he, wasn't, always, he wasn't always the best church kid. And uh, in fact, he didn't come to know Jesus till he was 17 years old and graduated from high school. And, and, and he would often talk about his own foibles. So he would tell my brothers and I, when we were growing up, that we didn't have to be perfect. And in fact, I remember getting in trouble at school one time, not for the way it would seem, See, I came home from school with a black eye, and my mother said, where did you get that black eye? I said, well, Billy, he, he hit me. She said, well, what's he look like? I said, well, I, I didn't hit him. She said, why didn't you hit him? She said, because your dad's, a, I said, because my dad's a preacher. My mother got irate. She turned and looked at me and said, just because your dad's a preacher doesn't mean you can't have a backbone. Tomorrow, if Billy hits you, you hit him back. That's all I needed. <laughs> the next day, Billy and I had an encounter. It was good because I won, all right? <laughs> but you see, growing up in that kind of Christian home, growing up in that kind of faith place, didn't keep me or make me any better than anybody else. There's this thing that we do in the church, still do it some, used to do it a whole lot more, called camp meetings. Camp meetings are regional gatherings of Christian people, usually from the same kind of church group, all right? 
in the church of God, we have them all over the country. Um, and I've been blessed in my life to speak at almost every one of them in the United States except the Pacific Northwest. The, um, that, that they, I haven't been out there, but um, California, um, Arizona, Colorado, uh, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, all of those places over the years of ministry, I've been invited to come and to speak. And, and the way a camp meeting works is this. People, people come together, and they, um, they either have cabins that they own there, like lake cabins, or they bring pop-up tents, or they bring RVs. Uh, sometimes they're dormitories. And, and what you do is you come together for like a week, and there's conferences in, in the morning and then services in, in the evening and prayer groups and lots of activities, and it, it's a wonderful week. But what happens is they bring a guest speaker in. And one of my friends and I were talking about our experiences in being a guest speaker, and he was telling me about one of his where he was at one of these, one of these camp meetings, and he's speaking. And, 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 and usually the, the, you get people who are kind of like these Pharisees. They, 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 in those camp meetings, you, they're just, oh, you're the most wonderful pastor. You're the most wonderful. They don't know you. They've just heard you that week. And then they, you know, they start telling you how good you are so they can tell you how bad their pastor is, okay? Um, and, and so they just kind of build you up. And, and, uh, <laughs> and so my friend was talking about being at one of those, and he, uh, he, he was speaking at a conference in the morning, and afterwards, there was, they had a, like a, for lunch, there was a, a bell they would ring, and everybody would come from wherever they were on the campgrounds to eat together in this, in this gathering hall. And uh, so he's there, but he's waiting on his wife. So the crowd's lining up to go in, and, and he's standing kind of at the back of the crowd, and there's this one lady who's been in his conference, and she's just going on and on and on and on and on about his conference, and how much she's learning, and it's wonderful, and he's like waiting for his wife, and he tells me, I'm like waiting for my wife to rescue me, right, because this lady has me pinned up, and I'm just waiting, and she's just telling all this, this stuff, kind of like what the Pharisees were doing to Jesus, you know, oh, we know you're wonderful, we know, well, he's, he's hearing all of these, this flattery, and, and he goes, and then his wife shows up and he's like, I was so excited because she's walking toward me down the path. And as she's walking toward me, I, I said, well, I'm, I'm sorry, and here's my, here's my wife. I need to go. And the lady turns and she starts saying to my friend's wife, oh, it must be wonderful to be married to such a godly man. My, he's just so wonderful. All this teaching, this, to live in the same house with this kind of man would just be more than I could ever dream. And he says, I'm thinking, wow. And then she turns back to me, and I see my wife, who the lady cannot see now. And my wife is standing behind her, looking at me and going, ah. <laughs> you, see, you see, flattery flattery actually leads to the hypocrisy. It's also a revelation of the hypocrisy. Now, a genuine affirmation, an authentic, an authentic encouragement, that, that's one thing. But what these guys were doing, they, they'd set it up from the beginning. I mean, look at it again. They sent to Jesus some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. And they came and said to Jesus, Teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion. For you are not swayed by appearances, <laughs> but truly teach the way of God. So they got it all set up, and then they dropped the bomb. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? 
But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, why do you put me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. And that's the story that we're looking at today. That's the trip up Tuesday. I don't know what your trip up Tuesday would be. I don't know what it is in your life that would trip you up from your relationship with God. Maybe it's, maybe it's a relationship with someone. Maybe it's a job setting. Maybe, maybe it's this old memory of, of hurt and heartache. I don't know what it is that, that trips you up, that keeps you from actually living authentically connected to Jesus. But here's what I do know. Trying to fake it until you make it is not going to do. If you try to fake it till you make it, you end up hypocritical. If you try to fake it till you make it, then you end up just being someone that other people look at and go, man, there's no, because you don't have any power. You don't have any authenticity. You're like these Pharisees who had all the religious system and all that stuff, but they didn't have the relationship with God. And so Jesus looks at them and says, you know what? Give Caesar what's Caesar's. But, but what you really need to do is to give God what's God's. Well, what is God's? You are. You are God's. No, you, you belong to him because he made you. See, I, that's something I don't think we really comprehend because we've gotten away from the, the, the awe of the fact that, that every baby born is a child of God, regardless of where they're from, regardless of the circumstances. The very miracle of conception, the very miracle of birth, the very miracle of a life, we've lost that in our, in our dehumanization, in our objectification of people. We don't value each other and we don't value ourselves. And here's what I want you to know. You didn't just exist in the universe in some way cosmically connect in, with the fetus in your mother's womb. No, no, you, you were made and created individually. I know some of you are multiples, you're twins or triplets or whatever, but here's the deal. I, I know twins. I have cousins who are twins. Listen to me. Those two men are totally separate men. <laughs> they, 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 you know, yes, they share a lot of things in common. Yes, they have, they look alike. Yes, they have all that, but, but here's the deal. They, they are individuals, and each one of them was individually made by God, and so are you. And when you're individually made by God and you value that and you understand that in yourself and in other people, then suddenly you, the hypocrisy doesn't cut it anymore. The, the faux Christianity doesn't cut it anymore. This sense of being able to really connect with God blows out that kind of pretense and that kind of, oh, I know what I'm doing because I know all the religious answers. And that's why they marveled at Jesus because he didn't take the bait. He he didn't cause a revolution and he didn't cause the people to wander away. Instead, he, he brought the focus back to who God is. And so the Pharisees and Herodians, now they go away like the chief, chief priests and the scribes and the elders. But again, just like them, they don't stay away. Oh, they stay away, but now they send somebody else. Have you ever noticed that people who like to cause disruption like to send somebody else to do their dirty work? Have you ever noticed that there are people in the world who don't want you to think bad about them, heaven forbid, but they will be glad to set their friend up? They'll be glad to have them ask the question. And the poor friend is like a lamb led to slaughter because everybody gets upset with them for asking the question. It wasn't even their question. It was somebody else's question. Well, that's what's going on here. Now, 
now we get into this thing about not just living above the hypocrisy if we're going to live this way of Jesus, this way of living in the kingdom of God. Now suddenly it's not just being above the hypocrisy, it's about being beyond our own human perceptions. Living the way of Jesus means living beyond our own human perceptions. You say, Pastor, what, what do you mean? Well, they send these guys to Jesus, when the Pharisees and Herodians leave, they send up a group. Now, now this group, they're the most conservative of the groups in Israel at that time. They are called the Sadducees. Now, the Sadducees were such legalists that when they looked at the Old Testament, they didn't believe any of it was binding except the law of Moses, the, the part of that, that was in the first five books, okay? And they built everything off of the first five books of the Old Testament. And so they didn't believe in the prophets. They didn't value the Psalms. They didn't value Proverbs. They, they, they just had those first five books of the, of the Torah. And they built all of their religious system around it. And they viewed themselves as being the, the bastions of holding on to the heritage. And now they come to Jesus. Because see, all they could see was a human perspective. Look at what they asked Jesus. They were really creative. The Sadducees came to him who say that there is no resurrection. You see, in the first five books of the Old Testament, there's no discussion about the resurrection to eternal life. There's no, there's no description of life after death. And so these people had a religious system they created that did not leave room for the possibility of a resurrection. Pharisees, Herodians, they believed in a resurrection. But the Sadducees, they did not. And so they come to Jesus with this question. And it's very important that you understand why they had this question, because they're trying to trip Jesus up too. They're trying to blame him and make him a heretic. And so here's what they say. They ask him a question, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but does not leave a child, that that man must take the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. I will have to tell you, as the oldest of three sons, my brothers were reading this scripture one time, and one of them was like, you better be careful who you marry, because you're gonna die before us, and we're gonna have to marry them. I'm like, no, there's a New Testament, guys. We're all right, all right? There were seven brothers. The first one took a wife, and when he died, left no offspring. And the second brother took her as his wife, and then he died, leaving no offspring. And the third brother, likewise, took her as his wife, left no offspring. All seven brothers marry this woman. None of them have children with this woman. And last of all, the woman also died. In the resurrection, when they rise again, if there's a resurrection, Jesus, you and the Pharisees say there's a resurrection. If there's a resurrection, when they rise again, Whose wife will she be? For all seven of them, she was wife to all seven of them. See, see what, 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 they're, what they're saying is, hey, we're gonna use our human logic, we're gonna use our human perspective, we're, we're gonna sit here and we're gonna take everything and we're gonna parse it out with our brains and, and if we humanly can figure it out and we're gonna use this, this set of rules, then we can have the answers. And you've gotta know, you can't live you can't live with that as limitation. Here's why. Because I told you a moment ago, you were made in the image of God. Now, God, who created you, 
created you to live eternally. Now, some of you are looking at me going, Pastor, this body is breaking down. I'm not going to ever be able to live eternally. No, I'm not talking about this body. According to Scripture, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, when you connect with God through Jesus, then the promise of Jesus is when this current body breaks down, when it dies, there's a brand new one for you. The understanding of the New Testament in its entirety is that there is life after death because there is life before death. You were born, you were created, you were literally had breath breathed into you by God. And because you were uniquely made in the image of God, because you are his daughter, you are his son, then he sent his son to redeem you. And here's what redemption looks like. Redemption looks like somebody taking someone who is not worthy and making them worthy, not by their efforts, but by someone else's price that they paid. And that's what Jesus does for you. And if you accept that, then you live forever in a relationship with him. That's why I said to you, living this way of Jesus, the way of living the way Jesus wants us to live beyond our human perspective is to understand that nothing else that we see except the people around us will live forever. I'm sorry, but the home that you have will ultimately fade away. In fact, Paul tells us in his writings that you should count it all as wood, hay, and stubble that'll be burned up. All the accomplishments you've got, all the savings you've got, all the house you've worked so hard for, all the career that you've built so much. No, listen, that doesn't last forever, but you do. You last forever because you were made by the one who is Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, and he made you. You're his gift to the rest of us. And so what? these guys are asking is a logical question. Makes sense, right? Whose wife will she be? See, what they miss is heaven doesn't look like earth. The kingdom of God is beyond this place. Yes, the kingdom of God is already at work in those of us who believe in Jesus Christ. The spirit of God is already in us and then we are to be his workers in his kingdom here now. But the kingdom of God lasts forever. And you are called to live in that kingdom to live above the hypocrisy and beyond the human perspective. So these guys ask Jesus the question, and Jesus answers them. And he, honestly, you can't, unless you understand just how rigid the Sadducees were, you can't even grasp how harsh his answer is. But I hope I've let you understand, these are the people who think they're holding it all together because they got the heritage and they got this. No, no, listen. Here, listen to what he says. You see, living the way of Jesus that takes us above the hypocrisy and beyond the human perspective, it, it means living connected to Scripture and to God, to the power of God at work in our life. Because here's Jesus' answer. I love this answer. Jesus said to them, is this not the reason you're wrong? <laughs> because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. Hey, friend, he's talking to the most religious people in Israel. He's talking to the people who believe they're better than everybody else and they know more about the Old Testament, about that first five books. And he's saying, you, you, you don't know the scripture. And then it gets worse. He's telling people who think they're the most religious, who think they know all the scripture, 
that they don't, and then he proves it to them. Listen to what he says. From Mark chapter 12, he goes and he, he tells them why they're not connected to God, why they're not connected to the scriptures. Because he goes into the first five books of the Old Testament, the part they say they know better than anybody else, and he tells this story. It's recorded in Mark chapter 12. Jesus said to them, starting in verse 34, 24, is this not the reason you are wrong? Because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. For when they rise from the dead, these seven guys and the lady, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And as for the dead being raised, have you not read in the book of Moses? This is Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. He goes right to the part they think they know and says, Have you not read in the book of Moses, in the passage about the burning bush, how God spoke to Moses, saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not God of the dead, but of the living. You are quite wrong. Jesus doesn't mess with it. Because you see, the term I am is the name of God. To say I am in the Hebrew is to say I am God. In fact, when Moses asked God at that burning bush, who do I tell Pharaoh sent me? Who do I tell the people of Israel sent me to deliver them? Who do I say sent me? He says, you tell them I am sent you. And by the way, you can't translate I am into I was. You can't translate I am into I will be. I am is I am. It is present tense, always present tense. And what Jesus is saying to the Sadducees and what I believe the Holy Spirit is trying to tell Christians in the 21st century is this. You have to live above hypocrisy and you have to live beyond your human perspective and you have to make a connection with the scriptures and the power of God that lets you understand that the God of the universe who made you, who knows you, who called you by name, that same God of the universe loves you so much. He is always present with you through his Holy Spirit. And if you follow the logic and understand that each, each individual who's ever been born on the face of this earth was created in the image of God, not someone who just was a spirit floating out and then came into a, no, 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 no. You were born. At that moment of conception, there's a miraculous thing that happens and creation happens. And God is the only one who can create from nothing, but you were created from nothing. No matter what the circumstances of your birth, you say, oh, no, we're actually, Pastor, I understand where babies come from, and I know that this goes with this and this. No, no, listen to me. The, the miracle of life is that that created you. As, as one of my pastor friends said in a sermon one day, and my wife is going, I can't believe I'm about to say this out loud, but I'm going to. He said, he said you know, you think you're not, you, that, that you're not worth anything? He said, in the act of human conception, there are literally thousands and thousands of sperm racing for one egg, and you won. You won. I sat there like some of you are sitting there right now going, did he just say that? 
God made you. He knows you. He loves you. And he's asking you to live the way he invites you to live. Connected to him. Living in his connection to his words in scripture. Beyond your human perspective. Above the hypocrisy of religiosity. In this authentic connection that only God can bring to you. Because here's the logical part of the miracle. For all of us who won that race and live on the face of the earth right now. For everyone who's ever lived. If we are created to live for eternity, then the question is simply this. Will we live for eternity connected to God? Or will we live for eternity disconnected from God? Because the hypocrisy and the human perspective and the lack of understanding God's power and his presence, that, that, that's what it means. That's what it means to be disconnected from God. And what would it be like to be created to be connected and to spend eternity separated from that connection? I've asked Sarah and Heather and the band to come back and they're going to sing a song. It comes out of the 23rd Psalm. Many of you know me. You, you know, if you know me, you know I love the 23rd Psalm. I love the 23rd Psalm because it talks about the intimacy of this relationship when God is our shepherd. For those of you that don't know it, listen to it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. For his name's sake, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For he's with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort. God, you prepare a place for me. Even in the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. You want to know why I love that? psalm so much. I mean, I love the shepherd image. I, I love all the promises of it, but, but what I love more than anything else is that last phrase. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Because I figured out a long time ago the house of the Lord doesn't have any bricks and mortar. The house of the Lord doesn't have stained glass windows and great works of art. The house of the Lord isn't a cathedral or a little country church. No, no, no. The house of the Lord. In the Old Testament, the understanding of house is family. The understanding of house is relationship. And to live in the house of the Lord means I live in the place where Jesus is authentically there with us. 
And we are there with him and with each other. And so today, I invite you to his house. If you've never stepped across the line of faith to say, hey, Jesus, I'm with you. Please do that today. Don't wait another day. And if you have, then live above the hypocrisy, beyond the human perspective, connected to Scripture and the power of God at work in your life. If you're on campus, would you stand with me? Sing these words from the 23rd Psalm. Eternity, I'll be there by you. 
Would you pray with me? Abba, Papa, Heavenly Father, thank you so much that Jesus didn't dodge the questions, that on Trip Up Tuesday, he stood straightforward and answered and let us know just how much we're loved and how much he invites us to live in this eternal relationship with you. So Lord, for those in this room and in the online community who have, who have come to that place where they're ready to step across the line of faith right now, God, give them the courage. Give them the, give them the strength to simply ask you to take control of their life. You promised in your word that whenever we ask, you would be faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. So give them the courage to ask trust you, that you're a person of your word. Thank you that for those of us who walk on the way of the living, that eternal life starts right now, and we can live in your house forever. For it's in the strong name of Jesus Christ that we Thank you so much for being with us today. As you leave this place, if you're on campus, please feel free to, to stop by the info table and pick up whatever you need, but particularly if you need a plant book, pick one of those up. And uh, I just want to say I'm looking forward to continuing this Lenten season with you. And um, may God bless you. And those of you in the online community, uh, let Pastor Preston know you're there today. We're so grateful that you're a part of our, of our faith community here at Eastside. Go with his peace and his grace. Well, we are so glad that you have joined us today for worship, wherever you joined us from, whether it's the area or around the world. I know we had some folks joining us from Colorado today, which is just absolutely awesome. It is a joy to be together for worship. I want to let you know that uh, we really would like to journey with you uh, through the book of Mark. We're doing it as a congregation. I want us to be able to do it together. It's such a beautiful gift uh, to prepare our hearts as a community for Easter. So if you want to join us in that journey, uh, check out the resources tab on the homepage of our website. You can find more information about Plant the Way in our journey through the book of Mark. I also want you to know that, that we really do want you to journey with us. We want to journey alongside you wherever you might find yourself in that journey of faith. If you're new to following Jesus or you've been doing it for a long time, uh, we want to be joining with you in prayer and uh, being an encouragement and support to you in that process. So if there's anything we can do, uh, please let me know. You can let me know by filling out that connect form. When you do that, there's an opportunity to let us know how we can be praying for you this week. And if you'd like to have a conversation about what it looks like to take that next step in your journey with Jesus or, or just need somebody to talk to about something that's going on in your life, you can also let us know in that prayer request area. Whatever the case may be, it has been good to be together today, and I will look forward to seeing you all next Sunday.